Word Matters is my new series. In it, I chat with people that I admire. I ask them to identify one word that matters most to them. It's a simple ask, but not an easy answer, as on average, we know 40,000 words. I then ask my guests why. How's that word influenced them, inspired them, helped them make choices, and a focus on where they're going next? Hi, it's Tony Chapman. You're listening to Chatter That Matters, presented by RBC. My job as your host is to cut through the clutter to focus on what matters most to your life and livelihood. Today, I'm chatting with John Love. John has an order of Canada pinned to his lapel. He's a thought leader in Canada's new economy and culture. He's an exceptional business leader. John Stick handled his family's billion-dollar real estate business through one of Canada's worst financial crises. And today, he's the founder and CEO of Kingset Capital. Canada's leading private equity real estate business. We're going to learn about John's roots and how they helped him shape his views and what Canada must do to create an economy capable of earning our way forward, not simply boring our way there. John, a long introduction, but welcome to Chatter That Matters. Thank you, Tony. Good to be here. So John Love, at the beginning of every podcast, I ask my guest what word matters most and why. So let's begin there. So I'll use the word offense. And I'll tell you that in a period of crisis, where negative news abounds, the hardest thing to do is to wake up every morning and get on your toes. It's so easy to be bogged down with the negativity of the moment. And Lord knows 2020, we've had it between COVID and Trump and all of the other, uh, you know, Brexit, everything, all this negative stimulus. What's fundamental is to get up and be able to be positive play offense, to move forward. And that's true with your personal self, your attitude, your relationships, your professional self. It covers the whole gamut. Look back at 2020 and don't say, I'm glad it's over. Say, what did I like? What did I learn? What did I benefit from? What was the highlight of 2020? And think about how you can use 2020 to map out what you might like to do in 2021. And obviously, we're off to a tough start in 21. I mean, lockdowns are brutal. That said, where's some positivity? Because negative energy always is, you know, takes away from us. Play offense. Think positive. Look forward. It's fantastic advice to begin with. And speaking of the beginnings, your beginnings, I read an article about you. And you said about your dad, if there was a deal to be done, Don would be there. Tell me a little bit more about your dad and... What influences he had in your life? Well, of course, my father was a builder, uh, a builder of businesses, a builder of relationships. Um, and he had great values, was an eternal optimist. Uh, he was always playing offense. Um, and, you know, he offered many lessons to me and to the rest of our family and to those around him. Uh, he taught a whole generation of real estate, young and aspiring real estate executives uh, who all went on to do very interesting things. So what's it like following your dad's shoes? And I'm not talking just about what he built, but the impression he made on so many people that you're now his son. What's it like to be that a son of someone that has had such an impression, knowing that you also want to walk your own path? I think, you know, the challenge for every child of a successful parent is trying to find their own way. And to me, that starts with the enemy is always 
the enemy within. And so we have to have our own self-confidence so that we're not always seeking validation. Um, for me, I started uh, my business career as a retail stockbroker, which turned out to be a pretty good idea at the time. First of all, you get uh, gratification or not every day when you know what your commissions are. Um, but that validation over my almost five years as a retail stockbroker uh, in Edmonton uh, taught me that, in fact, you know, I could be successful in my own right and took the monkey of a successful parent off my back. That's, uh, that's exceptional. Uh, so many entrepreneurs that I've talked to in my series also talk about one of the things that their parents did was to expose them to the marketplace. They, you know, whether it was uh, uh, someone, came, dad was a baker and took me to the bake shop and I saw how customers smiled or, or you know, he took me to uh, the metal factory and I got to, you know, sort uh, different types of metal. And it, it's that's something your dad invested in, making sure that the, your, the, the families had a real sense of what he was doing every day when he went to work? In addition to seeing properties, which, you know, uh, we did and we would understand as growing up, a bit about what that meant. Um, what his biggest impact was building relationships and the importance of relationships and the respect to which he treated other people, no matter who they were in the value chain. And that was, you know, his adherence to values, respect of the other person, whether it be the janitor or a CEO, what left a big impact. He would go through his buildings and he knew everybody. And he treated them with respect and they and other people uh, all uh, brightened up when they would see him and greet him by his name. And when you took over the business, a lot of times in family succession, there's either this, there's this awkward point where either the, the person in power really doesn't want to retire and surrender power or the young person wants to really come in, as you say, and have the self-confidence to, to chart their path. What was that? When was that? And what was that period like for you? So when I, I was, as I said, a, a retail stockbroker for just under five years. And then when I left that, I joined Oxford as a uh, junior office leasing coordinator. Um, I spent, uh, you know, a number of years working from, you know, leasing to property management, to development, to regional management, to bigger regional management, et cetera. Um, so after 10 years, uh, that was actually shorter than it might otherwise have been. But after 10 years, um, I then became uh, president and then two years after that CEO. Um, it, it's fair to say that transitions are always uh, difficult, particularly in families, because it's natural that a, a parent looks at a child as a child, regardless of the age. Um, but we worked our way through it. it you know, it was not, um, you know, not just perfect, but we worked our way through it. And, and after this was in the, the darkest real estate recession of the early 90s, when things were extraordinarily difficult, then as we um, that's when I you know, became CEO. Then as we worked our way through that, took the company public and then had some uh, early success. Uh, he, um, you know, he quite uh, quite liked to see his legacy being effectively reborn out of out of the difficulties of the early 90s and carried forward and and uh and that was a very good ending for both of us i want to take a second to 
give a shout out to RBC. RBC, your words matter to me. Since the very beginning, you sponsored my podcast, my posts, my videos. And together, we've looked for insights, ideas, and inspiration to help everyday Canadians and small business owners get to where they need and deserve to go. And not once have you asked for anything in return. And it's not just me. Look at Future Launch, a $500 million investment to help youth find and pursue their path in life. RBC, your words matter to me and to a lot of Canadians. In 2001, you sold the family business. What was your motivation for doing so? So I, I think I'd separate the word family and business. First of all, a business is just a business. It's not the family. And, you know, the most important thing to think about is, is or at least what drives me, um, because Oxford wasn't me or my family or, you know, any of that. Oxford is a business. It's an investment. Our families are family. So um, the analysis at the time was Oxford um, had become uh, of Competition Act size in Canada. So um, we were constrained in what we're able to do uh, with regard to our core business. So we either had to uh, expand our geography or expand our product type. And I didn't think I'd spent so long trying to get better and better at less and less. So we were, in my words, the best at big integrated uh, commercial complexes in Canada. Um, So anyway, so those are the two strategic options. And I didn't think I was the right CEO for either. And I thought the company needed different strategic access to capital than the public markets. Hence, uh, the discussion with Omers, which ultimately led to a sale. And I would say that, um, you know, it is, I'm delighted to see what a great job Omers has done with the platform over the last 18 years and building it, or yeah, 18 years, 19 years, building a global brand um, and having great returns for Omers. So um, it's been a great uh, a great handoff, and they've done a great job with the business. But today, you're the CEO and founder of Kingset Capital. It's Canada's leading real estate and private equity business. Um, what's it like now shaping something that you've built from scratch uh, and knowing that one day you're going to hand it over to someone? I would say it's, it's the same narrative. You know, it's a business. Um, you know, I get a lot of energy out of participating with a group of really talented people um, to do some interesting things. Um, after I left Oxford, I took six months off, went dark, and dark means no electronics, which is quite interesting. Um, so no one knew where, where I was, and probably no one cared. Um, but that 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 six months uh, gave reflection as, you know, what did I want to do next? Um, so I came back after the six months and uh, started to reconnect with people and, and uh, with an idea, my first fund with King Set, the OM was a single page um, and just explained a very simple idea. Uh, and, you know, in relationships that I built and nurtured at Oxford were kind enough to support that idea. And King Set was born. Um, you know, today, uh, you know, the business is, you know, has grown beyond what our initial thoughts were, of course. Um, and I've started to put in place, uh, you know, leadership transition. And uh, which is something I've been working on for some time. So um, and it's it's appropriate that these elements get put into place over time. And, you know, and and my my legacy would be that in time, people forget that I was with King Seth. John, before we leave you as an individual and move on to talking a little bit about your thoughts for Canada, 
someone like you, when you leave something that's given you such a higher purpose, and I know it's not profit with you. I've known you personally for years and it's your, your values. sounds like the values passed from your, on from your, your, your parents, but how do you fill that vacuum? If you find people that take it over and you say one day, they don't even know that I, I was part of it. What, what do you do to fill your time and keep you intellectually stimulated and emotionally rich? So this is this is a very important topic and something that I have worked on for a considerable period of time, because my view from my professional career is I don't want to hard stop, you know, and I I didn't want to go uh, and work 60 hours, uh, you know, a week or 80 hours a week and then one day go to zero um, because and because that day is always elusive Uh, and that day typically is past your best before date. okay? Uh, because we all have one. So I started some time ago building other things that uh, give me intellectual, other intellectual pursuits that I can, I can work on. Uh, and, and those will increasingly fill up my day. So I, I look at career transition, if you're able to, like landing a plane. Um, a, a hard stop can be a crash uh, and you cannot stay in the air forever. So the idea is to, to have that mix over a period of time and uh, in which I'm in, I'm in process of. So, John, I now want to shift. I'm a big fan of what you put out on LinkedIn and, and almost everything that uh, when people interview you, because you, you really have what I consider the most objective. You're not trying to sell one party over another. You're really focused and passionately about Canada. Pre-COVID, now this is pre-COVID. Uh, you know, we're looking at a world moving away from fossil fuels, new technologies, new ways to connect. I'd argue the widening gap between the haves and the half-nots, the environment. A lot of big, meaty problems for the world to solve. And again, before COVID hit, what does Canada need to do to keep in step of that world? And then we're going to get on to what's, you know, the, the new normal. So I would say, um, you know, the issues a year ago and the issues today are the same. The reality is that, um, you know, the big moving pieces to me are a resource strategy, a interprovincial free trade, and an immigration strategy. Because at the end of the day, you know, a great society is one that has the bandwidth to provide, you know, free healthcare and free advanced education. Because those two investments are, are fundamental in our society and need ever-growing capital to have them continue. And that is, that is the biggest contribution we can make to reducing the gap, the wealth gap, and other uh, opportunity gaps. Because if people have security of healthcare and they have ever-increasing level, uh, levels of good education, those are the secret sauces to moving uh, up in the economic echelon. For Canada, we have to sit back and say, you know, if global greenhouse emissions, if carbon emissions, et cetera, are really important to us, what we should do is perhaps, while, while reducing our own carbon footprint is fundamental, we're a micro economy. We are largely irrelevant. But where we do have relevancy is to use our resource bounty to uh, displace dirty energy sources around the world. Is it possible that we could play a leading role in exporting our resources, which is everything from hydroelectricity to nuclear to, to LNG to oil, et cetera, 
is it possible, and this is countrywide, we could use our resources to displace coal burning over the next 10 years? It's a big idea. You want to have an impact on, on global emissions? Then let's go have an impact on global emissions. Then with regards to interprovincial trade, it drives me crazy that every province in the country has freer trade with the U.S. than it does with its neighbor. We have to learn to support each other and to trade across Canada. And because otherwise we find ourselves hostile to a counterparty we can't control. And, you know, we, we've seen this in the PPE uh, incidents lately. We're, we're about to see it with, you know, canceling Keystone. We're seeing all sorts of things. And we shouldn't be held hostage to counterparties. The third issue is immigration. We've had a great immigration strategy over the last number of years, both in, in selecting and integrating immigrants. But let's not kid ourselves. This is going to be a much more competitive environment going forward. And we have to up our game in both selection, attraction, integration, and motivation for immigrants. Because a strong, dynamic immigration policy is important to this country's growth. What are you going to run for the uh, prime minister of Canada? You know, I, I, I do I do get the, these questions. And it, the reality is the senior political leaders have a whole different skill set. And I view the responsibility of CEOs is to share their views with others. All too often, business leaders hide in the corner and complain about this, that, or the other thing. And, and you know, in the contemporary society, that's just wrong. We hear the voices of labor, which are important. We hear the voices of government, which are important. Business has to make its voice known. And so I think it's important for business leaders to advocate for issues that they think are important and explain why. And then the general population can make whatever decision they choose to, but they should always be informed of the view of business. So John, I just wanted to, first of all, thank you for joining me in Chatter That Matters. Uh, the takeaways, I try to always condense it into three things. I'm gonna be challenged this time, but uh, off the top of my head, first of all, I love what you talk about especially when you're following the footsteps of someone that's that's had a massive impression is get your own self-confidence, find your own self-confidence, learn how to be the person you want to be. And and even that insight about it, it's very hard for a parent not to look as a child at, at any age. A second thing is just this whole concept of the word of offense and just doing it in a positive way. And finally, I love what you have to say for Canada. We need a strategy that involves resources, it involves eliminating interprovincial trade, and I think the most important thing, and we both uh, agree on, is an immigration strategy uh, that allows us to track the best in the world to what can and will and should be the best country in the world. John Love, thank you so much for joining me in Chat of the Matters. Happy to be here. You've been listening to Chatter That Matters. Download Chatter That Matters wherever you get your podcast, or follow me at chatterthatmatters.ca or on Twitter at, at Tony Chapman. Let's chat soon.